You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. On today's show, Florida Georgia Week continues to heat up, so we're going to go on both sides of this rivalry to get the perspective from two former players who played in this game. The Florida side of things, we're going to talk with former Florida Gator safety Ahmad Black. We'll get his thoughts on this Florida team. Then on the Georgia side, we're going to catch up with former Bulldog quarterback Hudson Mason. Find out what the dogs have to do to get a victory on Saturday. Lastly, we're going to go around the conference, get some tidbits from most of the schools in the SEC. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out five days a week. All right, let's jump right into it. Right off the top, he is a former SEC champion, national champion, former All-SEC safety and All-American, former University of Florida safety Ahmad Black joins us now. Ahmad, what's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, you can uh, you can say Florida Georgia, too, because I think uh, God uh, put the F before the G for a reason. So. <laughs> that, that's what I was told. Uh, our buddy Zach Abelverde joins us, joined us yesterday, and he said, hey, it's <laughs> always alphabetical. The F be- comes before the G, so make sure you get that right. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you, Ahmad, when I say Florida Georgia, what comes to mind? I mean, is there a specific memory of, of the games you played in that, that comes right to mind? Um, you know, just a, and, and a broad thought, man. And, you know, um, we can say what we want about either team. Uh, you know, it's, it's always going to be a level of trash talk. But um, at the end of the day, these guys um, produce some great talent on, on both sides. So, um, you know, with that being said, we always know that it's going to be a tough, hard-fought game. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to say all the way down to the wire because usually, you know, sometimes not all the way down to the wire. But, um, you know, usually it's a tough, hard-fought game. And, uh you know, both guys, uh, both teams have guys on their team that got recruited by the other team, so um, it just makes it more interesting. Now, you were still getting your feet wet your freshman year when y'all lost, but then what? Your sophomore, junior, and senior year, you y'all you got W. So three and yeah. one, three and one in your time. Yeah, definitely. Um, that first one was a was it was was a kind of a hiccup though to us because uh, we lost to them and it kind of threw us out of the in, uh, you know the the leaderboard for the SEC East. So I sent Tennessee to the SEC championship that year, and we put up 52 on Tennessee. So um, it was a little bit weird, uh, you know, coming off that national championship that they won in 2006. We were expected to win in 2007. Um, but, you know, those next three years, we kind of kind of owned them pretty much. Except to my senior year, we were up big, but they came back and made it interesting. So, again, it's always a, a good matchup. Obviously, Dan Mullen, a guy you're familiar with, and it's it's so funny to see him, you know, how his career has evolved with the success at Mississippi State and then kind of coming full circle, and he's back at, at Florida now as the head coach. But, you know, when I think back to those Urban Meyer teams, obviously a lot of people think of Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, and the offenses were really good, but you always think of those strong defenses. I mean, you had guys, y'all, y'all had studs all over that defense. Is it weird to look at this this year's Florida's team, Florida team that's good defensively, but it's kind of led by the, the offense is the strength of the team. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Um, remind me of Spurrier days a little bit, right? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, you know, we just got to go play like how we know how. I think we're still trying to, we're trying to get acclimated those first couple weeks, and uh, I'm going to go out on the limb and say we're trying to turn the corner a bit. And, you know, not having a camp, not having, you know, um, a spring football and got new guys in there. And 
I don't want to make any excuses or anything like that because, you know, we were at the University of Florida, but, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it was a rough, you know, start of the year. So, um, again, you know, like we got great talent out there. I don't think as talented as, you know, the previous teams, but hey, you know, we got some guys out there that can make plays and, um, you know, do all the necessary things that we need to win the game. Kyle Trask, it really is amazing how, how good this guy has gotten so quickly. Uh, you know, I think back to last year when Felipe Franks goes down with the horrible injury against Kentucky, Trask comes in and, you know, he earns the job and never looks back. And to see what he's done this season, I think, it, what, an SEC record already, 18 touchdown passes through his first four games. Uh, this kid's a stud, and, and I keep reading articles today saying his name should be in the Heisman conversation. I think that absolutely is the case, and if he is really good this weekend against Georgia and Florida wins, I'd put him right near the top of the Heisman list. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, he, he he does some things that again that haven't been done, you know, in SEC so um, or, or in, in college football. So uh, you know, we, we put our faith in trash, and you know, again, a lot of people didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when we put him in the game last year for Felipe. So um, you know, even even you know from from trash from last year you know, that played well. Um, this year is even a, a, a more of an improvement. Talking with former Florida Gator Ahmad Black, um, Kyle Pitts, one of the best tight ends I think I've seen in college football. He is unguardable. You as a former safety who, who played at the college level and the pro level, how good is this guy and how would you defend him if you were going up against Kyle Pitts? Um, he's extremely good. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the guys I've seen, you know, you know, best guys I've seen, you know, God bless the dead, was Hernandez. And he's freaking, I mean, he does things that I've never seen before. And, you know, I'm just so impressed at how better he's become over the past few years as well, just working his craft and getting better. And you know, a lot of the times I see his videos in the off season, and he's just getting better. He's getting in the gym and getting work, and uh, I just love it. And, you know, I don't think – I don't think as much I could have could have done to guard him. I, maybe you know, double team. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I think uh, I, I was funny. Uh, I was I was looking back through some of your NFL films uh, earlier today, and I saw. I mean, you were constantly up against good elite tight ends. Jimmy Graham in his prime, some really good tight ends you had to go up yeah. against. And I mean, looking at Kyle Pitts, just how he looks, this guy could start in the NFL tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, you know. <laughs> He's definitely NFL talent, and you know, I I just love his grind and, and his 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 willingness to, to to get better every single day. So he doesn't get complacent. Um, he, he doesn't talk much. You know, he just gets the job done and, and helps out the team. If Dan Mullen call or let's say Todd Grantham were to call you later today and say, Ahmad, I need some uh, some tips on on what to do to game plan against Georgia. We we've seen Georgia. Uh, the offense has been okay, but. That quarterback, Stetson Bennett, he's been kind of the game manager so far. He's been the guy, maybe don't make the mistakes, just you know make the plays that are there, run the ball, and then win with good defense. If you were Georgia game planning on how to stop Florida, I mean, would you say, I mean, I, what I would do is just go in and try to stop the run and force Stetson Bennett to beat you through the air. Is that the approach you would take? Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they try to lean on the offensive line. It's freaking humongous, and they got to – excellent offensive line that they try to run behind. So, um, you know, the, the, the better or the more we stop the run, I think that's the uh, the easiest path to take. Uh, you know, uh, Stetson Bennett doesn't like to throw the ball deep down the field. And I don't I say, he, he, you know, he doesn't, but I say he doesn't like to, um, to to get it down the field. So, 
maybe we can force him in some, some outside throws, some deep passes down the field, and we can make some plays on it possibly. Uh, we can win this game. It's so crazy how this season has played out, playing 10 conference-only games, SEC on SEC every single week. You remember what, to your playing days. I mean, you guys, you kind of needed that cupcake game at times to play, you know, the directional school that you could kind of let up and, and have a little bit of an easier week. How would you have fared going in a full conference game? I mean, even when you're playing a, a team with a losing record, you're still getting their best shot because it's SEC on SEC every week. Yeah, that, that's, that's brutal. Just to, you know, um, I don't think people understand you know, the, the value in playing these smaller teams. Nothing against guys, but you know that's the time that you can put in other guys on your team that you know the younger guys to, to get them some game reps. And there's nothing like getting actual game reps. You know, you can you can watch them to the cows come home, but you know actually getting game reps in the game, um, it's hard to come by when you're when you're not a starter playing in the SEC. So um, those games are, are are the ones that you can get some some uh, work in with your with your your main guys, but also give those guys that don't, don't get as much work as um, some look too. Yeah, that's why I keep saying it's, uh, you know, uh, the SEC, I wouldn't be surprised if they cannibalize themselves this year where you have good teams beating good teams. Uh, of the other schools in the conference, who has impressed you so far this year? I mean, I got to think, obviously, Alabama has looked like their old selves again. Um, who's impressed you so far? Yeah. Um, Alabama, for sure. Um, I'm kind of impressed that, uh, what Felipe has has been able to do over at Arkansas, you know, they kind of those guys out said they won't win a game this year. So um, those guys have, have been sort of impressive. Um, you know, I thought Tennessee was going to do something at the beginning of the year. They turned out to be typically t- typical Tennessee. So um, <laughs> uh, that didn't that that change much. But <laughs> talking with a former Florida Gator, Ahmad Black, where is the uh, national championship ring? Uh. Currently, I have one in my jewelry box right now. We got uh, we got three of them that year. We got two for the national championship, which one was bought by the BCS uh, bowl game, one was bought by our school, and then we won the SEC. So um, I got six rings total all together. So I don't carry them around much. I got them locked up. Nothing like a, a little humble brag on yourself. You guys uh, <laughs> had an outstanding run in, in your years at Florida. Uh, it, it is weird watching Urban Meyer on the Fox crew every week as an analyst. He does do a good job, but man, it's it. You know, he had that thing humming at Ohio State for a couple years. If you had to make a bet, does does Urban get back into coaching? I feel like he does. I, I mean, he's still so he's so good. I, I feel like he can't stay away. I feel like he's going to end up back in coaching again. Well, I, I was asked that yesterday. It's so funny that you said that. Um, I, I I think he may may end up coming back um, as well. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what he ended up doing. Ahmad Black, former Florida Gator. Last thing for you, Ahmad. Give me a prediction. What are we thinking on uh, on this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go 28-17. 28-17. I like it. A little bit of a, a defensive grind it out, but uh, if they could get to, to 28 points. I said 30. If, George, if Florida can get to 30, I think they absolutely win the game. But that's uh, – yeah. I like it, yeah, 28-17. to 17. It would fit right into the mold of all the, the recent matchups in history with the, with these two teams. Ahmad, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Ahmad Black, former uh, Florida Gator there, former national champion, joining us here on Locked on SEC. When we return, we're going to flip over to the other side, talk with a former Georgia Bulldog, Hudson Mason, former Georgia quarterback, now talk show host in Atlanta. He's going to join us to give us the Georgia perspective 
on the Florida-Georgia rivalry. Locked on SEC. One day closer to the weekend, one day closer to enjoying a full day of football and enjoying some ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the official beer of watching sports, and that goes for any kind of sport you're watching. Football this week, you might be watching SEC, ACC, Pac-12 is back in action, the NFL, whatever it is you're watching, just make sure you're doing it with a Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And when you see the mountains turn blue on the side of the can, you know it's ready to go. Find yourself a perfect time to unwind this week. Give yourself a little me time. You deserve it. And do so with a Coors Light. It is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. And remember, you can get Coors Light delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. You don't even need to get up from your couch. It'll be right on your doorstep. And remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you were staying up late watching football this week or maybe like some of you who barely got any sleep watching the election results, we've all had that moment this week where we've been dragging. You might need that pick-me-up to finish your workday, and the best thing to help you do it is Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. It'll help you break through that proverbial wall, whether it's a mental or a physical wall. You can break through it with Built Go. It is the best workout gel on the market, combines energy with protein it's kind of like a five-hour energy drink but without that crash feeling that you get with those drinks plus built go is all natural so it is better for your body that comes in three delicious flavors i've been telling you guys the chocolate mint is my favorite loaded with all that good stuff your body needs b6 b12 all the scientific stuff it will get you going with that little kick of caffeine visit them right now builtgo.com b-u-i-l-t-g-o Com, and when you go there and find what you want to order, use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. It'll give you 20% off your next order. That's LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. You're going to get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Roll along here and locked on SEC. And obviously, look, we're talking all about the big game this week between Florida and Georgia. We spent almost every segment of every show this week talking about it. So we figured today, getting on a former Florida Gator and a former F- Georgia Bulldog on the show to kind of share both sides of this matchup. But join us now, a former Georgia Bulldog quarterback, Hudson Mason, jumping in with us now. Hudson, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing good, man. Uh, you're. I know. Let's start with you were on the call last week for the uh, Florida Mizzou game. Uh, you saw everything that went down there just before the half. I guess just your thoughts overall on what you saw that transpired and kind of the fallout from that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Florida's offensive line was protecting Kyle Trask. They felt like, and it's the right thing to do. I mean, those guys are always going to protect their quarterback. They felt like he took a bit of a cheap shot. I didn't think it was a cheap shot. You know, did I think it warranted an ejection and even a 15 yard penalty? Yeah but I didn't think it was the cheap shot. You know, when the quarterback's standing in the pocket, uh, you know, he's not giving himself up uh, like maybe if he's sliding or, you know, if he's running out of bounds. So, um, you know, I think when, where things really kind of escalated is when Mullen ran on the field. And, you know, I understand why he ran on the field. He was trying to kind of break up the scrum, and he's obviously thinking about next week and trying to prevent his guys from doing something stupid uh and so I don't blame him for going on the field. I think where he went wrong is 
he, he kind of lost his cool. And if you really study the tape and the video, I mean, he ran straight toward the Missouri coaches. And so I think he kind of poured gasoline on the fire by going after those guys. And if he would have just kind of stayed uh, with his guys and, and really focused on just his team, I don't think that brawl and that melee breaks out. I think when you see your coach doing that, it almost justifies as a player that I can act like that. And that's exactly what happened. You know, coaches tell players all the time, keep your composure, stay on the sideline, never leave the sideline. And, and he didn't really do what he, uh, you know, what he preaches. So honestly, I thought the, the, originally I thought that the suspensions and the, the fines and all that stuff was, that was coming from Birmingham was going to be more, uh, I guess, uh, detrimental long-term than what it was. But after I studied the situation and the case study a little bit, if you all remember 2018, the Egg Bowl, same thing happened at the end of the game. And the league office in Birmingham didn't suspend any of those players from either team uh, outside of an automatic ejection. Uh, So the SEC office has kind of set the precedent for how they handle these things. All right, so there's been a lot of talk from Bulldog fans about the quarterback spot and maybe some of it unfair to Stetson Bennett, who for the most part has done a good job of, you know, I think game manager sometimes is uh, you know a negative connotation. I think that's a positive thing, a guy who can manage the game well, move the chains, get first downs, control the clock, and not make the mistakes. But kind of the big plus on Stetson through the first few weeks of the season was that he wasn't turning the ball over, and now in these last two games, a combined five interceptions, so now he is starting to turn the ball over. Uh, what does Georgia need to do to be successful against Florida this weekend with Stetson at quarterback? Well, for Georgia to win, they got to do two things. It's actually pretty simple. The recipe has always been control the clock, and I think if Georgia, at the end of the game, you look at the box score, and if Georgia controls the, the ball for 35 minutes or more, I think Georgia has a good chance to win the game. Now, obviously, you know, that's contingent upon turnovers, and the other big storyline is third down. You know, Georgia last year was 12 of 16 on third down. Jake Fromm put on a third down clinic. And so that's really, to me, is is can Georgia control the ball? Can they ball hog the clock, which will limit Trask and Florida's possessions uh, and really, it's, it's not so much about limiting possessions as much as it is, is just taking out that opposing offense out of their rhythm. It's almost like when you play a triple option offense, you know, you know, if you normally go into a game against a spread offense, you get 10 possessions. Well, against a team that runs a triple option or even like Georgia, who really can, can keep your dynamic offense on the sideline, you may get seven. And that's exactly what happened last week to Kentucky. It just prevents you to being able to get into a rhythm. Uh, and it almost kind of uh, puts this extra added pressure on the quarterback in the offense of Florida that they have to capitalize, and you almost feel like you got to be perfect, and which leads to playing tight. So Georgia's got to win uh, the ball control battle, uh, the time of possession battle, and they have to be good on third down. That's where Stetson doesn't have to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. He's got to be efficient on third down and really convert you know, 50% or more uh, on third down, 45 50% or more of their third downs for them to win. I know a lot of fans have asked, what's the deal with JT Daniels? Why have we not seen him yet? Um, 
do you think that they've at least open that Kirby's at least had an open competition uh, in recent weeks? Whereas you know, if Dewan Mathis performs really well in practice, or you know, even JT Daniels, if he is indeed one hundred percent healthy, which we don't really know. I mean, like if one of those guys were performing better at practice, do you think Kirby would make the switch if if needed? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I tell Georgia fans all the time that you know one of the things that you can just rest on is that Kirby is. You may not like the decision, but Kirby is is making a decision and going with Stetson because he truly gives this team the best opportunity to win. And I and I think what Stetson brings to the table that a guy like Dwan doesn't yet is is the mental capability to get them into the right play. Kirby really values that. He, he wants a quarterback that you can put a lot on at the line of scrimmage, and you know that's that's good sometimes, but. You know, the knock of Kirby's offense, and you could go back to Fields and Fromm, uh, is that the better quarterbacks uh, have not always played in Kirby's system. And so why is that? Is that an indictment on, I mean, as a coach, you should, you should you know, kind of tailor your system uh, to fit the strengths of your best players. And I think that's often what Kirby is very hard-headed about is that he is going to he wants to do what he wants to do and it doesn't always allow the most athletic and the most and the best quarterback with the best potential to play it, it really kind of favors the guy who's less talented but he's more smart if that makes sense um and i think that's why you know from and fields is a little bit apples to oranges because from Tokyo did a national championship game uh, but the optics of just how they didn't handle fields when they did give them reps the right way never really looked good. And so, you know, there's no doubt that if Juan Mathis was, was performing in practice and if he was making strides, then Kirby would play him. There's no loyalty. People, fans have these crazy conspiracy theories that, oh, my gosh, he's loyal to a guy. Coaches are loyal <laughs> to their families they're loyal to putting food on the table you know how they do that they they win how do they win they they play the guys that give them the best chance to win so you know i, I think this is a byproduct of having no offseason uh, a byproduct of over recruiting the quarterback room and you know a byproduct also of, of jamie newman opting out talk with hudson mason former georgia bulldog quarterback uh how much of the injuries on defense gonna hurt them defensively hudson when you talk about you know, obviously richard lecount's the big one that they're gonna be missing but i mean i look at the guys who are healthy and will play i mean nicobe dean Monty rice uh aziz ojulari i mean these are all guys who have played really well for georgia all year so it's like man if those guys are healthy the defense still should be pretty stout yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, out of the two starters, the big-name starters for Georgia's defense that look like they're going to be out, Jordan Davis, the nose tackle, big boy, 340 pounds. Uh, looks like he'll be out. And, and then Richard LeCount at strong safety. I would, I think not having Richard LeCount against this dynamic, dynamic set of weapons for Florida is, is more of a detrimental loss than not having Jordan Davis. But, you know, this is why Kirby recruits, and this is – you know, why he has recruited at such a high level for scenarios and situations like this when, you know, you need that next guy up. And, you know, you can't double-team Kyle Pitts every single play. People think that, oh, why don't we just double-team him? You, you, Florida lines them up in, in situations and they move them all around formationally where it's impossible to double-team them. So a lot of times, uh, like last week, Missouri is playing one-on-one -on -one with their safety. Uh, and so if, if that's a matchup that usually – Richard LeCount would be matched up on for Kyle Pitts. Well, he's not there this week. So I would imagine any time Florida gets man coverage, 
uh, in one-on-one coverage to Pitts this week, they're preaching to uh, Kyle Trask to find that matchup and to give him a shot at a 50-50 ball. And I mean, I stood next to this kid last week on the sideline, and I wanted to see – get my eyes on him my gosh he is a uh, he's a pretty looking guy <laughs> I mean, he is he is six six he's every bit of it i mean you just look at him Ron, athletic i mean he, he is there's no wonder why he's you know climbing up draft boards and will be you know no doubt the first tight end i ain't even calling him a tight end he's more of like a receiver but you definitely see where scouts and gms are, are drooling at the mouth about this kid because he's he brings everything to the table that guys like Gronkowski and, and Kettle, Kittle and, um, you know, some of these other big athletic tight ends do in the NFL. Last thing for you, Hudson. Um, obviously, Georgia's got, you know, a fantastic rivalry with, with Auburn. Uh, you, you played Georgia Tech most years. Uh, how much did you guys hate the Florida Gators? Like, is this uh, – obviously, this year, this is the game. This will decide most likely who will win the East, but – when you were playing, I mean, how much did you guys get up for this game and just absolutely hate those Gators? Yeah, this is the biggest rivalry, in my opinion, and I think that's pretty in line with, pretty accurate with how most of the players, at least, I've played with feel. You know, many people would think that it was Georgia Tech, but the SEC East always ran through the cocktail party, and usually if you won that game, you know, you were the leader in the clubhouse for, for winning the East and getting to Atlanta, so nothing's changed about that this year. It's unfortunate, you know, COVID and limited fans will be uh, in the stadium. But now that Florida is, is uh, more relevant and, and uh, they're just a better overall team than they've been the past couple of years, it's been kind of lopsided, especially, you know, Dan Mullen's first year and I think it was McIlwain's last year. It's a better team, better matchup, top 10 matchup. And there's no doubt that the players really look at this as, as the biggest game and uh, you know, just everything on the line is is really what makes the pageantry in the game so special. Former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason now uh, covering the SEC and uh, the college football as a whole, working for a 680 The Fan there in Atlanta. Hudson, you do a fantastic job, man. Thanks so much uh, for taking some time out for us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks a lot, Hudson Mason there, former Georgia quarterback, uh, breaking it down like nobody else can when it comes to giving his thoughts on you know, obviously, Kirby sticking with Stetson Bennett at the quarterback position. Nobody would know better than, than Hudson on what it's like to be in that spot, play with a lot of talent all around you, and, you know, the pressure and the onus on you to make the plays and not make the big mistakes, and that'll be the big ask of Stetson Bennett this week against Florida. More to come right after this on Locked on SEC. This is the Locked On SEC. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We're here for you five days a week. Before we wrap things up for you today, appreciate uh, Mod Black and Hudson Mason for coming on with us. They uh, Very good insight from both of those guys. Really appreciate them coming on with us. Before we get out of here, let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. And we start over at Auburn, where Gus Malzahn said the LSU game was the first time at Auburn he was presented with a game ball by his team. He said, quote, that was a really cool experience for me. It was the most lopsided victory in the history of the Auburn-LSU rivalry. So a big win there for Gus Malzahn and company. 
Speaking of LSU, quarterback Miles Brennan did practice yesterday for the first time since his injury. Ed Ogeron talking with the media said Brennan will take it day by day in his preparation for Alabama next week. Speaking of that game, Ed Ogeron was asked about Mac Jones, the 2020 season he's having, and maybe compare him to Joe Burrow's season last year. Coach O said, quote, I see a lot of good things in him. I think it'll be a long time, though, before we see another Joe Burrow around here, to be honest with you. So, if you're an Alabama fan, maybe you take that as a dig. But I think it was more Coach O paying a compliment to how good Joe Burrow really was last year. I mean, Heisman winner, best offense ever in the history of college football. Tip your cap a little to them because they're struggling. Over at South Carolina, quarterback Ryan Halinski speaking said it is frustrating not playing. But that's life, said, quote, I want to play in every single game. He did say offensive coordinator Mike Bobo told him a story about him getting benched in college and fighting through adversity. Alinsky, of course, was the incumbent. Everybody expected him to be the starter this year before transfer Colin Hill earned the starting nod and has started every game for South Carolina since. Over at Georgia, safety Richard LeCount was released from the hospital yesterday. After three nights there following his motorcycle accident, Kirby Smart said LeCount was back at the team facility beginning the rehab process. So good news there for Richard LeCount. And hopefully it's just a matter of time before he's back out on the field for Georgia. They expect him to be out a couple of weeks at least. Kirby Smart also said during his time in the SEC, he does not know whether he has seen a player similar to Gators tight end Kyle Pitts. Be really interesting to see how the Bulldogs opt to defend Pitts on Saturday because he is unguardable, I'd say. And over at Florida, speaking of Kyle Pitts, he was talking with the media yesterday. He was asked about his quarterback, Kyle Trask, who was having a fantastic season. Pitts said of Trask, quote, I think he's going to shock a lot of people. I think he's going to win the Heisman. He said he and Trask, honestly, have never talked about the Heisman Award, but... Look, setting SEC records. Most touchdowns through the first four games of a season is what Kyle Trask has done so far. He has a big game this week against Florida. He'll be right in that conversation. Against Georgia, I should say. Over in Mississippi State, defensive coordinator Zach Arnett speaking with the media yesterday. He was asked to assess how the state defense did against Alabama. Arnett said, quote, well, we lost 41 to nothing, so I think that speaks for itself. Arnett also said statistics are, quote, BS until the end of the season, so he's not buying the fact that Mississippi State is still the SEC's number two ranked defense overall. I would agree. A lot of those kind of stats are misleading. Coach, you got the second best defense in the conference. Oh, really? Because we just lost 41-0. Rankings don't really help you at all. Over at Tennessee, the Vols are sticking with Jared Garantano at quarterback for Saturday's game at Arkansas. Talking with the media yesterday, Jeremy Pruitt said, Jared is the starter. He understands our expectations. But like he's had another good week of practice. Garantano has thrown for just over 900 yards this season with six touchdowns and three interceptions. Got a feeling, though, if he struggles in this game against Barry Odom's defense in Arkansas, we may see some of his other quarterbacks for Tennessee. No group has been hit as hard as the Texas A&M receiving core this year. The Aggies started the season with all of their starters gone from last year. But last Saturday, they got back wide receiver Hezekiah Jones, who played in his first game since rupturing his Achilles over a year ago. 
He had five catches for 47 yards. Figures to be one of Kellen Mond's go-to targets down the stretch of the season. We'll see how Will Muschamp opts to limit AM's passing game this Saturday, but Hezekiah Jones, keep an eye out for him. And lastly, the SEC announced yesterday a new rule change that might be able to be labeled the Lane Kiffin rule. The SEC passed a new rule that all warm-up activities, both pregame and those after suspension of play, all have to be in either the locker room or on the field. If you're wondering what this rule is all about, uh, you cannot warm up in adjacent facilities. A few weeks ago, before Ole Miss was hosting Alabama, the Rebels held their pregame warm-ups in the team's indoor facility and then walked over to the stadium and got ready for the game. You can't do that. You now have to warm up on the field or in the locker room in the stadium. You can't go off into another area <laughs> to your own indoor facility to warm up. So you must do it on the field or the locker room. So that is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Appreciate you guys for listening. Tomorrow's show, we will make our picks going into the weekend. Again, only four games in the SEC this week. But after this, we'll have a full slate of games every week moving forward. As long as we don't have any COVID uh, suspensions. But that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.